0: wherever whenever now from studio b or from wherever the saints or pelicans might be here's sean kelly
1: how goes it welcome into the black and blue report the podcast for saints and pelicans fans greetings today from oklahoma city oklahoma as the pelicans get set to take on the thunder tonight at Chesapeake Energy Arena. I'm Sean Kelly. Glad you're with us today. We've got things on both sides of the ledger for you, football and basketball. Of course, we'll wrap up our week-long series commemorating Super Bowl 44. It's been five years, and we've had five full days of fun talking to several members of the world champion New Orleans Saints and gathering their memories from those uh, events of five years ago. Today, we'll wrap things up with Scott Fujita. Daniel Salerson had the pleasure of visiting with Scott yesterday afternoon, And it's yours today on the Black and Blue Report. And of course, here today we're gearing up for a big, big game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're broadcasting from the Team Hotel here in downtown Oklahoma City here this morning, but then at 7 o'clock tonight, uh, the game will be yours on the Pelicans radio network and on television at Fox Sports New Orleans. It is the final game of the season series with the Thunder. It is very crucial With regards to the playoff standings in the West, as it stands right now, the Pelicans are ninth a game and a half looking back at the or looking up at the Phoenix Suns. And right behind the Pelicans, of course, are the Thunder. The Thunder could tie things up with the Pelicans if Oklahoma City were to win tonight and then split the season series. So that split would bring another tiebreaker into play, one that you have a little less control over. If the Pelicans win tonight, they win the season series three games to one and also then push Oklahoma City then two games back with just over 30 games to go for both teams. The uh, Thunder have been very good here at home. They've won seven straight uh, at Chesapeake Energy Arena, and of course they're looking to build upon the momentum they gained in New Orleans on Wednesday night when they defeated the Pelicans uh, on the back of Russell Westbrook. He tied a career high. It had 45 points. We'll see what the Pelicans do tonight with uh, Russell Westbrook. Uh, Keep this in mind, the Pelicans are into a back-to-back where they've been pretty good this year, uh, here tonight and then home tomorrow against the Chicago Bulls, and the Pelicans have also done well in response to maybe a flat performance, which certainly was the case Wednesday against Oklahoma City. We'll look for the bounce back here tonight. With that being said, we will uh, today visit extensively with Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, um, basically get his thoughts on the state of the team right now. What happened Wednesday, what needs to happen tonight. He'll touch upon the big game aspect of this um, uh, meeting tonight with the Thunder. He'll also touch upon new player Tony Douglas and a whole lot of other topics as well. It's the interview that we did for the Monty Williams radio show last night on WWLFM. But uh, I know it's tough for a lot of folks on Thursday night at 8 to catch that show. We're replaying it for you today on the Black and Blue Report and letting you get a very good listen to Coach and what he has to say, of course, at your convenience. This is No Appointment Radio podcast, if you want to call it that. And uh, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll begin our visit with Head Coach Monty Williams uh, taking us through a lot of topics here in just a moment. And then uh, Scott Fujita right here on the Black and Blue Report.
3: I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool, collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... (coughs) Not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now.
0: Try the new Immune Builder smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose.
1: The New Orleans Pelicans are having a sale. Right now, pick any three games for as low as $24 with the special man plan.
3: I wanna go to the Bulls Pacers and Heat.
1: You have to see the
4: special man. Let him have it. With no problem. Say I say, you say I say. Get your Pelicans three game plan today. See the special man. I got the
1: $24. Let him have it. We'll put you in a great seat today with no problem. Visit pelicans.com to get your special man plan today.
2: This is Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
1: Well, the Pelicans have won six of their last eight and stand with a record now of 26-23. and 23. Let's visit now with Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams, from last night's Monty Williams show. Thunder last night, Coach, what were your thoughts You know, after you left the building last night? What was the emotion, I think? Well, it's easy
2: to say we let one slip away. I didn't think that we deserved to win that game. Uh, Based on our execution of our offensive sets, they had 66 points in the paint. That means you didn't give any any resistance on defense. 27 fast break points. That's higher than the league average. Way higher. Even higher than the worst team in the league. And so from just those two things alone told me that we, we didn't bring the kind of Focus and attention that would give us a chance to win against the team, and and that's what they do. They play in the paint. We wanted to keep them out of our paint. Easier said than done, but that's what we have to do to win against the team that's got experience, Uh, been in playoff games before, and it was a good moment for our guys to understand. Okay, this is what that kind of basketball is about.
1: Was it jarring in any way because your team seemed to have had it figured out for the last I don't know week or two? That that sense of urgency the principles that you founded your team on now and to see those disappear last night did that make it a little extra shocking or have some shock value to it well it disappeared in moments like I showed the guys
2: clips uh, in practice where we did some really good things we just didn't do them consistently like there were times where we got into the ball on Russell and he one time he went back court Jimmer fought one time in pick and roll and He didn't get the rebound. He tipped it to another guy, and he had Perkins on his back. We just didn't have enough of those plays. There were times where we forced Russell to miss a shot going to the basket, and Ibaka gets a tip in because we don't box out. Those were the things that were frustrating. We just didn't have enough positive plays, especially when we went up by eleven. Our execution went out the window and we started playing hero me basketball a little bit mm-hmm. and didn't stick to the game plan and they cut the lead quickly. A signature play for me was we couldn't we couldn't find Anthony Morrow in transition. He shoots a three right in front of our bas in front of our bench. Like we're we're not locked in consistently when you give up plays like that. And our guys agreed to a man this morning that we, we just didn't play well. Saying that, they outplayed us. I mean I, I hate saying that, you know, we didn't play, we didn't do this you got to give them credit. They came in with a a win-now mentality, and I thought we wanted to win. We just didn't do the things necessary to win.
1: Coach, it's good to hear that kind of response from your guys the day after something like that happens. In a game itself, though, when you get flat or things aren't moving or all of a sudden you can't hit a shot, how hard is it for not just your team, any team, to snap that funk or correct it in-game like that? What do you do? Well, sometimes you can make a
2: substitution or you can – change up what you're doing on offense. You know, we've had moments these last couple of weeks where we've got ourselves going with our defense, and it put us in what we call game time. We didn't do that enough last night. In the second half, they scored the ball easily, and they were knocking down jump shots. Russell was coming off. And I I think when a guy starts going, human nature kind of sets in, and you're, you're just like, man. You know, the last time we played them, AD had 38 and 12. They couldn't stop him, and I thought that had an effect on them the same thing happened last night when we played against Russell last night. He was hitting shots that were like, okay, it's going to be one of those nights. Obviously, they've been in those situations before, but you know, I thought he just willed his team to a win. They And he played harder than anybody on the floor last night, and that usually doesn't happen against
1: our team. Coach, you the risk of oversimplifying this, it's almost cool that you get a do-over. You get the same team just almost 48 hours later. Yeah,
2: it's, it's actually a, a, a good scenario for us. We would much rather have won last night on our floor and and got the tiebreaker away from them, but it'd be an unbelievably monumental win for us to go up there and win on their floor um, in a crazy environment. It's just us. Um, I'm not sure how many fans we'll have in Oklahoma uh, outside of the people in our locker room I don't think there'll be anybody just you guys sitting at the media table and and us and so I think our team can grow from this and learn how to acclimate in an environment that's pretty pretty cool and, and yet when you're the opposing team it can be crazy.
1: So coach it it won't be wrong for me to to label tomorrow night's game as a big game? No question.
2: I mean, I, what's interesting about our situation, all of our games have been big games, whether it's Dallas at home, Atlanta, the Clippers, all these teams who've come in who um, are ahead of us, we've been able to knock them off. It'd be a big challenge for us to be able to beat a team that's behind us. You know, we didn't do it against against Denver last night. We didn't do it, and we got a chance to, to get it back tomorrow against the
1: team that's that's pretty good. Coach, before we take the break, let me just ask you about the homestand because you just got done with that six-game homestand, your longest of the season. I kind of hinted at this last night when we visited after the game. You went four and two. Now that we're 24 hours removed from the loss to end the homestand, I'm curious as to how you felt about the last six. Are you are you satisfied, um, pleased? What, what's your emotion with regard to that? I'm pleased with the record. I think when people
2: looked at our team and the teams we had to play against I don't know if anybody thought we'd go four and two having beat teams like the Clippers and Dallas and you know those games go a long way for your building confidence at the same time (laughs) me as a coach I felt like we should have won every game and we had a chance to win every game but I'm mindful that you know we didn't have Drew it was one of those tough situations where if you had Drew against Lawson and Russell you feel like man we can win all of those games but as a coach I can only play the hindsight game for a little bit and I got to get back to where we are as a team and the road trip was great for us great for our fans to see us playing really good basketball at home and you know we're gonna have a few more games at home before we go into the all-star break and so we didn't get last night we feel bad about that and yet the NBA is is cruel and yet it does give you time to uh, get back what you lost and we lost something last night we got a chance to go back and get it in OKC.
0: We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report.
1: Still to come on the Black and Blue Report, Scott Fuchita. He continues our series and wraps it up, as a matter of fact, commemorating Super Bowl 44. Let's continue now, though, with Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. More from his radio show last night. Coach, somebody asked me earlier in the season. They said, "Sean, what what do you want for this team?" And I said, "You know what? Let's just start with being in the playoff conversation at the All Star break. You've done the job, coach, in making sure that that is going to happen now at the All Star break, and 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 even starting here over this past homestand, that conversation started to brew up a little bit. What's the balance between what you've done with your team and focusing one game at a time, but also having that sense of we're in a playoff chase and with that comes scoreboard watching and awareness of schedule all those things how do you how do you make that balance now that you've gotten your team back into that conversation as a head coach
2: well I think anytime you're the head coach you have to be the guy who sets the table and we've always had a no excuses no explanation mentality pound the rock mentality and now we have a one game at a time mentality because everybody's going to talk about it so there's no need for us to try to hide from it I've always tried to put an importance on every game which is really hard in the NBA because you play so many. And yet, when you look back at the schedule, that's all you do is look at the one game you should have got, the one game you didn't get, the one game that you did get. So it, one game has so much weight on it. We're not in a situation like a San Antonio, Golden State, any of those teams who've had success in the West. We're trying to get there. And the way you do it is you know, try to pile up as many wins as you can we can't think about Chicago until we get OKC, and that's how our, our guys have to have to grow. And I thought the game against OKC was good for our guys. We got punched in the mouth and punched in the gut, and we didn't take it well. So it'll be interesting to see how our, our guys respond as far as taking that gut punch and then throwing a few right hooks ourselves. And I think that's how we'll take a step as a program. These games for us are like playoff games. We haven't been there, not with this group. So it'll be a big challenge for us. Do you think it sharpens their focus? Does it get them extra excited? I think so. I think our guys are they will embrace this challenge. And it's not about accepting it. It's right in front of us and I think you have to embrace it. You have to have a great understanding of what it takes to be successful. And I think we'll grow from it. The only thing that I don't like to do is put so much weight on the game that You know, if it doesn't work out, then what does that mean? The whole season's a failure. I don't think so. I mean, we're in a place right now where we're going to do something that we haven't done around here in a long time, which is have a winning record. And that's going to be
1: something that we're going to be
2: proud of. But we can't get to that point until we deal with these – these one-game-at-a-time moments, and that's what we have in front of us.
1: The other night, I think it was either the Atlanta win or the Clipper win. I think I started our post-game conversation with, it would be hard for anyone to be critical about the way your team played. I knew what I was getting into because (laughs) you quickly said, oh, yeah, watch me go watch some film. I'll find some stuff. That'll always be the case. But, Coach, as you mentioned, you've got a couple more home games now up until the All-Star break. You've got this little pocket right here before the guys break and get a little rest. If I could grant you one wish and say – Coach, you get to fix this one thing that's on your list prior to the All-Star break. What would that be right now for your team?
2: Gosh, I I would really love to um, go into the All-Star break on an unbelievably positive note, which means we would have to win some games. But winning them a certain way, and and I don't want to get caught up in trying to win my way, but I think if we can go into this break playing our brand of basketball – and have our guys excited about getting back on the floor, you know, getting big wins against really good teams and have our guys going to the break thinking, "Man, I wish we could keep playing." That would be pretty cool because that'll give them some juice going into the the break. They'll take 4 or 5 days off and then get right back to their workouts and be ready to go, and I think that'll say a lot about the second half of the season or the last portion of the season. We just want to go into the to the break playing our brand of basketball low turnover efficient offense keeping teams in the low 90s low shooting percentage hopefully around 42 or less Uh, low turnover games where it's 10 to 12 that kind of basketball really gets the fans excited if we're playing where we've got 24 25 assists or more every game it means you're sharing the ball and knocking down shots and and We'd like to be able to go into the the break knowing that we're going to get Drew back. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, going to be a big key for us in the last portion of the season.
1: That's exactly what I was going to ask you about. I haven't asked you in a couple of weeks about Drew Holiday. Um, do you see you see a, a, a point or a date now? Is there are we close to his return?
2: I think we are. Do I know the date? I'm not sure, but in my mind, I think it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be far fetched to think that we couldn't get him back during the All Star break. I know he's chomping at the bit. You know, he's feeling a lot better. Um, if we could get him back over the break, it would really give our team a jolt and uh, kind of settle the rotation a bit.
1: Before we go, Tony Douglas uh, is now at least on a practice floor with you after signing a 10-day contract. Coach, will we see him in the next couple of games? Uh, is there something that you've seen in him that uh, you can put to use here in his short time with us?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, defensively, he could possibly play in the game tomorrow. He's a guy that really gets into the ball. He's been able to score. I remember in Dan Tony's system one time he he had his way with Chris Paul one game up there where he I've never seen Chris play like that and Tony was the guy on the opposing team giving him a, a lot of trouble so that was when he first caught my eye at the same time he's new to the system but you know you've watched us for years I've I've never been afraid to throw a
1: guy out there even when he didn't know
2: plays but I don't want him to go out there and hurt our team
1: any any um problems coming from the Chinese Basketball Association way of playing back to the NBA for him you think?
2: I'm not sure I know they lose a lot of weight over there and he said he was 205 or 207 and he's down to 192 so I'm sure he didn't he wasn't eating Ruth Chris and Emeralds and Palace Cafe or anything like that (laughs) I'm sure he was over there eating what he could just so he could play in games and That kind of a deal. I think that's the biggest thing for guys when they go to a place like China is the food is so different that they they tend to lose a lot of weight. Maybe I need to go to China. You know, (laughs) if I could could, uh, get over there and do something to uh, lose about 5 or 10 pounds, I would, but I'm going to go get on this elliptical machine and try to push it as hard as I can and and get a few of them off because I'm going to eat tonight. Good for you. That's why I eat. That's why I work out so I can eat.
1: It happens to us in our 40s, I've noticed. Coach, as always, thanks a lot. Good luck this weekend. I know that you see this as a big opportunity, and uh,
2: hopefully it'll come through for you. Thank you, and and I can't reiterate enough to all of our fans and people listening. I say it all the time, but if you have some spare change, and um, whether it's in an ashtray or a jar at the house, and you want to put it to good use, uh, certainly take care of your family, but if you, if you have the heart to do it, take it down to the New Orleans Mission, the Covenant House, or Second Harvest. You can go online and Google all those names. Those good people need the, the money because they're, they're doing a great work in our city, and they're um, a big part of the movement to uh, get our city back to where it was
1: before Katrina. All right, so there you have it, Pelicans and Thunder tonight, a big one before coming back home to play three more games before the All-Star break. When we return, Daniel Salerson sits down with Scott Fujita. More talk surrounding Super Bowl Forty Four. Stay with us.
0: <laughs> you hear that? Yeah, that's the sound of Mardi Gras, baby. Ha <laughs> ha! Just something about the tradition of it all. Even though Fat Tuesday and Cash Crew scratch off from the lottery, you could be feeling like a king with up to $3,000 or even $12,000 in your back pocket. Stop and pick up Fat Tuesday and Cash Crew today. Now that's better than the good beads, baby.
3: Must be at least 21 to purchase.
0: Join us this Saturday at 6 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center as your New Orleans Pelicans face off against Derrick Rose and the Chicago Bulls. Pelicans Fest starts at 4.30 with music, interactive games, and appearances by Pierre and the Pelicans dance team. The first 3,000 lucky kids will receive a Pelicans mini basketball, the second giveaway in our Year of the Red Uniform Series. Tickets start as low as $25, so call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson.
3: Welcome back to the show. We wrap up our look back at Super Bowl 44, and our next guest is not a bad way to end the conversation. Former Saints linebacker Scott Vegeta joins me now via the telephone. Scott, thanks for coming on with me today.
4: My pleasure. Always good to talk to you guys.
3: Scott, Sean Kelly and I have had some of your former teammates on this week, and some of them have shared some great stories with us. Is there a favorite moment or great story that sticks out to you from that Super Bowl experience?
4: Oh, jeez, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I remember that week I, I wrote sort of a blog series, just kind of like diary and journal entries. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while I'll go back and read it, and just the amount of memories that were made in that week alone, you know, much less the whole season, uh, it, it was pretty incredible. Um, you know, one of the <laughs> that I always you know, laugh when I retell the story is that week we're in Miami, um, all week in the Super Bowl, and like in any typical you know away road trip, um, you know, we have secured hotel rooms. So right. no one can get up to your floor or into your rooms. Well, this is the time that we're spending the whole week there, and I have a wife and kids. And I remember I wanted to go down to their floor to go and visit my wife and perhaps sleep in the bed with my wife and the kids in the next room. Mm-hmm. So I try to go downstairs, uh, and security will not let me leave the floor. Huh. And I said, "Hey, I'm going down to live with, spend the night with my wife and kids. I've been married to her for like 12 years at that time." <laughs> and he says, "Hey, I'm not allowed to let you go." And I said, "Listen, I've been married for 12 years, and I have a couple of kids. I'm going down to spend the night with my wife." And yeah. <laughs> he said, "We're gonna have to clear it with Sean Payton." And I said, "I'll tell you what, I'm gonna go down." You call Sean Payton if it's a problem, have him call me. Oh. It's not going to be a problem. Um, so, yes, rules might have been bent for me on that occasion.
3: And everything was okay when you talked to Sean? <laughs> everything was
4: all good. Never heard about it again. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's, good. That's a good start. That's a good story. Um, I think, Scott, everyone we heard from had a different way of handling the week leading up to the Super Bowl. Some had what was nerves, anxiety. Some were just ready to get the game going. How was it for you?
4: For me, I just treated it like just a fun experience. Um, I took everything in as much as I could. Honestly, I felt a lot more pressure uh, with the NFC Championship game against the Vikings than I did for the Super Bowl. Okay. And I think that's because it was played at home in the Superdome. I felt like that was our big moment. We had to deliver. We had to give all the fans and the whole community, you know, a big night then. And then to go into to Miami for the Super Bowl, I just felt like it was, you know, hang out, relax, have, have a good time. Obviously, we were really focused, and Sean does a good job of keeping the guys focused. But especially on game day, I just felt loose and relaxed. And I felt like most of the guys on the team did as well. I mean, walking around in pregame with some of my teammates who have been in the league a long time, and this is our first time getting to that pinnacle of our careers, and saying, you know what, I actually kind of feel like I found the fountain of youth here. Uh, running around and feeling you know, young and energetic again. All the aches and pains you had had all season suddenly had just vanished. And as much as everyone said to conserve your energy because the Super Bowl game is going to take forever with all the pomp and circumstance, and the extra long halftime, I felt like the whole thing went by in a blink of an eye. And I felt fresh and rejuvenated all the way through. So it was honestly like a kid who was out there running around just playing for the love of the game again, which is a, which is a special feeling.
3: Absolutely. And you said, you know, the team was pretty focused, relaxed. Do you think that had a lot to do with how you all played in the game and maybe helped you guys with winning the Super Bowl?
4: Yeah, I think it did. Um, I don't think you ever want to go into a game like that too stiff. I mean, we were very diligent and focused in our preparation. But the great thing about Sean and the whole staff is that they always find a way to keep it just loose enough um, just to keep guys relaxed and to keep guys loose. Because if it's not fun, you know, it's really not worth doing. Right. Um, and I feel like we were a team that was really, really tight-knit. We had tons of maturity. Also, you know, enough you know, young, fun guys to keep us loose. Um, and It was just a really good mix of players with really good chemistry. We cared about each other, and we liked to have a good time. So I think all those things kind of came together, and that's what made us so
3: successful. Looking back at Super Bowl 44 with former Saints linebacker Scott Vegeta. Uh, Scott, you guys are down four at the half, 10-6. to six. Coach Payton calls Ambush to start the second half with the onside kick. Is that when the momentum shifted for you and the team, or was there another player moment in that second half that gave you guys a momentum swing?
4: You know, I don't know if I would call that the momentum change or not. I think that, that call was going to be made whether we were up 20 or down 20. I think Sean probably went into that game um, fully intent on calling that onside kick at some point in the game. And in the moment he did it, obviously it was crucial. It was pivotal. And for the rest of us who were on the sidelines watching it happen, to me the message was sent. Whether we got that thing or not, he was going to win this game. Um, so I think just the mindset, that was a momentum shift. The mindset that, hey, no matter what happens here, we are going to win this game. Um, so, again, it's just a mindset, and that's kind of the genius of Sean as a coach. He's willing to do things that maybe many others wouldn't do, and that's because that's the kind of confidence he has in his guys.
3: When that clock struck zero and you guys were the Super Bowl champs, what was that moment like for you? Obviously, your family was there to celebrate for you. What was that moment like?
4: I mean, obviously, it's special, especially with a team like that who's so close. I mean, you play your whole careers you know, in this game. Um, you always dream of a moment like that. You know, a lot of us who are getting toward the end of our careers, you almost start to have that desperation, like, hey, it might never happen for me. Um, so Obviously, it's really special and to share that moment with guys like Scott Shanley and you know, Jonathan Vilma and, and Drew and all these guys who are such good friends of mine. And also Joe Vitt, who's a guy who drafted me in Kansas City, um, spent a few years with him there, and then you know, four of the best years of my life with him in New Orleans. I mean, to share all those key moments, um, you know, I'll never forget that. And once, you know, the, the, the game ended and the confetti started falling, then it's just like a desperate attempt to find my family. Yeah. It's like a, a herd of herd of buffalo storming the field. Mm-hmm. And you're running around trying to find wife and kids, and, um, you know, those moments are, are the things you'll never forget.
3: How long did it take you to find your family?
4: Um, probably four or five minutes. And I, my, my twin girls were uh, just over two at the time. Um, See, so yeah, I wanted to get to them quickly, get as many photo ops, and, and you know, we did get plenty of pictures, and I just love seeing them catching confetti falling out of the sky. So... Uh nothing gets better than that.
3: Oh, absolutely. No doubt. Now you were one of the first players assigned when Sean Payne became coach. Did that make this Super Bowl triumph that much more special, Scott?
4: No doubt about it. And I love to be able to, you know, look back and tell everybody, Hey, I told you so. <laughs> Obviously everyone thought, you know, my wife and I were crazy when we decided to go to New Orleans at the time that we did. Mm-hmm. Um but for us it was always bigger than just football. You know, we, we sensed that we could be a part of something really big. And not just in rebuilding a team in a community, but um, just being entrenched in the community and and they really just adopted us took us in so to be able to deliver to a community that was so good to all of us um it just felt really really good um yeah and to take that leap of faith you know with the saints and for them to take the same leap of faith in me um and helping kind of get my career back on the fast track and re-energize you know me and my, my family um just so appreciative that we all share that opportunity together
3: Now, looking back also, uh, you were mic'd up by NFL Films. How were you chosen for that?
4: I don't know how they choose um, the guys that do that, but Greg Benson came to me the week before the game, and he said, hey, Fuji, they uh, want to mic you up for the game. And at first I said, no way would I do that, because I'm known to say some kind of (laughs) over-the-top, outlandish things on the field. I like to have fun. I like to keep it loose. Mm -hmm. I like to talk trash in a friendly way. It's never mean-spirited. I just like to have a good time. So I was a little bit reluctant to be mic'd up and just have some of the stuff that I say uh, out there for the world to feast upon. Um, but Greg said, listen, Scott, you're going you're to gonna want to do this. Trust me, you should do this. And I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad he had that advice for me because I was given all the footage, um, everything I was mic'd up for was probably about four or five hours of time. I mean, I'm talking a whole 90 minutes before kickoff, the whole post-game celebration, oh, wow. everything audio and video, celebrating with my family. Um, I mean that's footage that's just priceless. So to have that and to be able to go back and look at that with my family, um, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. So I'm so glad that Greg talked me into it.
3: Now, when you watch the final airing of what they did uh, chose to use from your mic'd up, did they air anything you wish they wouldn't have, or was there something that you thought they would have that they uh, didn't actually air?
4: No, they didn't, and, and yeah, and just going back and watching it, um, yeah, it's all just lighthearted, you know, fun chatter, mm-hmm. which you know, I've enjoyed, you know, kind of partaking in throughout my career. So it's one of those things, like, I don't know if I want people to hear this kind of stuff. But then when you see it on film, it's like, you know, it's actually not that big of a deal. And it just shows that, you know, it's fun to be a kid out there on recess, like I said earlier.
3: Did you even think about that during the game? Was that even on your mind that you were mic'd up?
4: No, it's funny because during, like, warm-ups and stuff, you it, it's just kind of a foreign feeling. Not that you feel the mic at all. Uh, but then once you get into the game, you kind of block all that kind of stuff out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, what about the parade? What was that like? You know, it seemed like it was a huge Mardi Gras parade for everyone when they came back. And it was uh, rolling down the streets. I mean, you lived in the warehouse district, the CBD. How was that like having a Super Bowl parade go down the streets that you lived on? Well, I think
4: from the point the game ended through, you know, the next days, weeks, and possibly months, it just felt like a nonstop party. (laughs) And the the parade was certainly that. I mean, it was just, you know, New Orleans on full display. And from the moment that we landed back in New Orleans, returning from Miami, and I mean thousands, you know, possibly 100,000 people out there to greet us at the airport, it felt like the parade had begun at that moment. Uh, But then on the actual day of of the Super Bowl victory parade, I mean, what a good time that was. I'm sure a lot of us don't remember everything too well for, you know, obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But but we had had a good time. And I remember at one point uh, we're on the linebacker float. And we get into this one section where there's a little bit of a turnabout and the parade's trying to make a turnaround. And we can tell it's going to take a couple minutes. And then Jonathan Gilman and I looked at each other and we said, screw it, let's go for it. So we jumped off the float, (laughs) uh, went down to the street and just celebrated with a few thousand fans. And it was just a blast. I'm sure it was kind of a security issue, and, and, you know, the the same security wasn't overly thrilled with us. uh, But it was just kind of the connection that we had with that community, and uh, and I'm glad we did
3: that. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great story. Now, Scott, I know California is your home now, but do you think you'll always have a a special connection with NOLA? Weren't your twins born here?
4: Yeah, my kids were born there, and, and I love for them to be able to say that when they stand up in front of class, you know, where they were born and spent the first few years of their life. It's special, and, and I've never been shy you know, in talking about my commitment and affection for the city. And I'll, I'll be back frequently for the rest of my life, as will my kids.
3: Great stuff, Scott. That's Scott Vegeta, former uh, linebacker for the Saints Super Bowl 44 champion. Scott, really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your great stories with us.
4: My pleasure, thanks.
3: No problem. When we come back, Sean will be back to wrap things up. You're listening to The Black and Blue Report.
1: Mardi Gras is just around the corner, and Shreveport, Bossier City invites you to experience Mardi Gras in the Arklatex, starting with the Crew of Centaur Parade on Saturday, February 7th. Cap it off with the Crew of Gemini Parade on Saturday, February 14th. Check out hotels and other things to do at shreveport-bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. Linda, mother of two beautiful 13-year-old twins. While my son has brown hair and blue eyes, and my daughter has blonde with green eyes, they both share one identical DNA trait. I hate spinach.
3: No one leaves a table until you finish your vegetables. Getting my kids to want to eat vegetables, that's my purpose. Blend it now.
0: Try the new veggie blends at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get your kids to love vegetables. Smoothie King, smoothies with a purpose. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: Well, we are certainly in debt to a lot of folks this week. Um, obviously, our guests talking about Super Bowl Forty Four. That was a very enjoyable experience. And thanks again to uh, Justin Massion and uh, Alex Restrepo, Doug Tatum, Daniel Salerson, everyone who helped us gather up our good friends from five years ago to talk about Super Bowl Forty Four. What a memory! And uh, we'll hold on to that one for a long, long time. Looking forward to a good basketball game tonight. Looking forward to the Pelicans bouncing back and then winning the season series against the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll be back with you on the Black and Blue Report on Monday. Uh, Just three shows next week before the All-Star break, and we'll start to zero in on the All-Star festivities and how they impact our own Anthony Davis, starting with Monday's uh, Black and Blue Report. Of course, this program is yours most every weekday, most of the time right after noon central, we call it No Appointment Radio. The podcast is available on New Orleans Saints.com, Pelicans.com, both of the team mobile apps and yours free as a subscription on iTunes. Good things from Oklahoma City, we hope. The weather, it's okay, not too bad. And we're looking forward to be back with you home tomorrow at the Smoothie King Center as the Pelicans take on the Chicago Bulls at 6. Until then, I'll see you on the radio tonight at 7. Here from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, I'm Sean Kelly, and this has been another week of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at neworleansaints.com and pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.